All right, all right. Y'all can find a seat. Find a seat. Good to connect. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome, welcome. If you're here for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris. Good to have you here. Good to have you tuning in. If you're tuning in through Facebook or YouTube or uh, our, our online platform on our website, good to have you joining us today. Again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. That video always gets me. Gets me every time. I put out an email yesterday to our church just kind of saying that on any given Mother's Day, there's, there's this tension that I feel because there's various groups of people that I want to acknowledge. You know, first and foremost, I want to acknowledge the moms who are in our church community who need to be celebrated, who should be celebrated, like my own mom, who's in our church, and my wife, who's in our church. And, and uh, that's why we wanted to show that video and just celebrate our moms. But then there's also folks uh, who have lost their moms in recent years, who are grieving the loss of their moms, uh, like my own mom is doing, who lost her mom a few years ago, and my wife, who lost her mom a few years ago. And I know others of you who, who have uh, still been grieving the loss of your mom. Uh, then there's uh, women who want to be moms but haven't been able to become moms. Then there's moms who are single and don't want to be single moms but are and have been praying that they're not anymore and God hasn't answered that prayer yet. There's people who grew up with a dysfunctional relationship with their mothers and so Mother's Day is hard because it triggers that. It's like, I didn't have that. I don't have a mom to celebrate in that same way. There's moms who are worried about their adult children, whether because of addiction or they've been in trouble with the law or they've walked away from God. They're worried. They're burdened for their adult children. Maybe they just are estranged from them and they're hurting. And so there's this desire to acknowledge all these different groups of people and it's hard. You can't address every single one with the proper weight that they deserve on any given Mother's Day every year with every service that we do. And so this year for this sermon... I decided not to do a Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> Instead, we're going to continue to preach through the book of Exodus. We're going to continue with the passage where we're at, where God provides manna for the Israelites in the desert. And I'm going to trust and I'm going to pray that God would give you, especially moms, but everybody here, men, women, everybody, teenagers, everybody, that God would meet you today, speak to you today, touch you today where you need it and provide for you what you need for today. Again, everybody, but especially moms who are spread thin often, juggling multiple responsibilities, caring for their children, holding their families together, trying to keep everybody united, burdened, doing all the things that that video earlier told us that they are doing. Director of operations, right? 24-7 without pay. That God would meet you, that God would provide for you what you need for today. So I'm going to pray that God, I'm going to pray that, to that end, right, that God would do that. But I'm also going to pray, I want to, I want to let our church know, I just found this out. There's no good time in a service to say this. I um, just found this out between services. Uh, Sue Penrod, who is a beloved member of our church family, her mother died this morning in a car accident. Yeah. Just found that out. Tried calling her, didn't get through. Um, so we'll keep trying, and those of you who are close to her, you can uh, obviously reach out as you feel led, um, and we'll just find out. We just this is brand new, so no, no, no details. Her father's in critical condition, from what I heard. Um, so we're gonna pray. We're just gonna take a moment, Lord Jesus. 
so hard to, on one hand, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, who have moms to celebrate. And we want to celebrate those moms today. Oh, and I pray that the moms here would feel celebrated, would be reminded that you've got them, that they are gifts from you to their children. Their children are gifts to them from you. But I also pray for those who are hurting today, like Sue Penrod, who lost her mom. God, would you meet her? That we, may we be a people who also mourn with those who mourn. And God, would you meet her today? Would you give her what she Would you give her a supernatural, beyond understanding kind of peace and comfort? Pray for recovery for her father. And God, I pray for everyone here today that you would speak, that you would speak, that you would speak. Those watching online, those who will be watching later in the week, you would speak. Give them what they need for the day. In your name, amen. Okay. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump into the book of, of Exodus. I'm, I'm titling this Manna for Mother's Day because of all that I just shared. <laughs> just that God would meet you where you're at today. So we're going to be in Exodus 16. We're going to be in verses 3 through 21. Um, and where we left off last week was that the Israelites had been um, provided for by God, first of all, freedom from slavery, the parting of the Red Sea. They're rescued from oppression in Egypt, and then they're wandering in the wilderness. They come to Mara, where their water is bitter. They're thirsty. They have no, no water to drink. It's salty. It would kill them if they drank it. And then God miraculously turns it into free-flowing, good, clean water, and they drink it. And then it's where God speaks to them and says, guys, I got you. Your health is in my hands. I'm your healer. I'm your provider. Trust me. And then he leads them to Elim where there's a bunch of springs and it's just an abundance. It's just like, it's just like this, this is uh, Hawaii, right? I mean, it's just like beautiful. And it, that's how I picture it. And then he moves on from there and they come to this uh, wilderness of, of Zin where they're out of food and they start to grumble again. Instead of going, oh wait, God, that's right. God reminded us that he's our healer. He's our provider. Instead, what King what kicked in was grumbling. And they, they actually say, this is where we left off last week, verse 3. The Israelites said to them, which is Moses and Aaron, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you, you guys brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The heck, Moses and Aaron, why'd you bring us out of slavery? Slavery was so good to us. That's what they're saying. Slavery was so nice compared to what this is, whatever this is. We've got no food. They're grumbling. Grumbling kicks in. Why? Because like we said last week, you can take the people out of Egypt, but it takes a while to take Egypt out of the people, to take that orphan spirit out of them, to take that slavery mindset, that, that who's going to look out for us now kind of attitude, response when we get triggered, when we face stressors and difficulties. 
Did anybody last week, we talked about grumbling versus trusting. Did anybody last week say, you know what, I'm going to trust God and we're going to sing and blah, blah, blah. And then we leave here and then you face a stressor on Monday morning or a stressor on Tuesday or a stressor on Wednesday. And what came out of you was grumbling again. Anybody have that experience? Just Dottie did. Anybody else? <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to call you out, Jess. I just knew I could. Yeah, that's our human nature because God wants to grow us, but it's not an overnight thing. And what kicks in is our old mindset, which is this orphan spirit, this slavery spirit, this, this kind of like, where is God? We forget who he is. As if he's not a way maker, not a promise keeper, not the God who has delivered us and has been faithful to us thus far, not the God who has freed us from slavery, but that we're on our own. Who's going to look out for me? Oh no, I better grumble, I better complain. We come to these conclusions, we connect dots that shouldn't be connected, like maybe it was better if I stayed in slavery. We come to these silly conclusions. Maybe it was better if X, Y, and Z. Because we remember faulty through this lens of grumbling. And so how does God respond to them? Let's keep going. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Now, this is a summary statement. This is a bottom line sort of summary of what the rest of Exodus 16 is about, which we're taking two weeks to cover. And we're going to cover it in more detail in the reading plan that's on our website. But this is a summary statement of how God's going to provide for them. And he's going to, look, look what he says in verse, um, uh, what am I looking at? Verse 4. That I may test them. That word for test is not the idea of pass or fail. It's not like, I'm going to see if they grumble and complain. And if they do, they're fired. They're out of here. And I'll find a new people. No, it's the idea of a strengthening, a training, a disciplining. Like a coach training his football team, training his track team. Right? Maybe bringing them into the weight room in the off-season and go, you better learn how to squat some more weight than you can right now. Piling on more weight than they can normally handle. Why? So it stimulates the muscles to say, we better grow and get stronger because we have more weight that we need to handle. And God's saying, I want to train you as my children. Remember, they're new at this. They're new at having this God as their God. They're like infants learning that I've got somebody looking out for me. And so when they face a stressor, they still respond the way they used to as orphans, as slaves. And God's saying, I need to train you. I need to develop you. I need to strengthen you. How? Every day you're going to face this stressor, this need that's going to trigger what used to be anxiety and complaining and grumbling. But I'm going to train you to respond instead with trust and rest and dependency. See that? I'm training you. I'm developing you. And there's a difference. There's a difference between knowing that we can trust God in our heads. Oh yeah, God's trustworthy. We say in our life groups and in church circles. Versus knowing and feeling that trust in our souls. Trusting in Him and Him alone. Feeling a stressor and going, wait God, you've got this. Because I'm your son, I'm your daughter, you got this. 
I don't see a way out here, but you've, you've got this. There's a difference, isn't there? I mean, this is the simplest thing. I mean, you know, if you've been in, around church for any time, you, you know, you hear, you can trust God with your needs. But we don't. We don't. And so God develops us. He leads us down paths that seem confusing. Cul-de-sacs in our lives. Detours. Dead ends. And we're like, what? The heck, God? Why did you put this person in my life, this situation in my life, this job in my life, this problem in my life? Why did you allow this? And God's saying, strengthening you, developing you, training you to trust me more and more and more. And that's why some of you are in a situation that you're in right now because God is training you. He's developing you. I go to bed at night and I don't feel worried and anxious most of the time. Too tired to. Then I wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. One of my kids goes to the bathroom and is loud, bumbling and fumbling, and I wake up, and then my brain starts to go. First slowly, then tick, 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 and it picks up speed. Anybody else? And all of a sudden I'm thinking about, oh, this and this and this and this and this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking about the next day, or I wake up early in the morning the next day. I'm thinking about, oh, I got this meeting. I got to respond to that. Oh, I don't know how this situation. I don't know what to do. I need a next step. God, what's the next step there? And I feel a need. I feel a need for clarity, usually. Need for wisdom and peace. Those are three things I feel almost every morning. Clarity, wisdom, and peace. Anybody else with me on that? Clarity, wisdom, and peace. It's a need. And I don't feel like I have answers to that. Like, I don't have that at my fingertips. Sometimes I also feel the need for physical strength to get through the day because I often don't sleep good or I've got some chronic ailments that flare up and I'm just wondering, how am I going to make it through today? I don't know, God. And those are moments where God gets to remind me, hey, you can trust me. You, you come to me. Those are moments of training for me. If only I would see it that way. If only I would see it that way. Instead of my first Orphan response is to have a, what I like to call a hurry up and figure it out spirit. Anybody have that? That's your first response. I feel this anxiety. I better figure this out. I better figure it out. Anybody have that? Now some people have this like um, shut down, escape from life response. Fight or flight. I mean that's, you know, you've heard of that. I, I go into fight mode. I'm going to figure this out. And God's training me. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's a difference. Not fight, not flight. Rest in me. Trust me. Trust me. And then God says he will rain bread from heaven. You see that? that that's, that's kind of what he's going to do. Now, bread from heaven is a miracle. That's a miracle. Bread doesn't normally... Kids, bread doesn't come from the sky. Yeah. It, it, money doesn't grow on trees. Bread doesn't fall out of the sky. It's a miracle. And God, what is God saying to the Israelites is even though you don't see a way out, even though you don't see a solution, even though you don't see how this situation will be resolved, I've got a way beyond your imagination, beyond the bounds of science. When there is no way, I've got a way. And because God is the same today as he was back then, God hasn't changed he didn't get old and get lazy. No, he's still the same God. He's still the same intervening, active, loving, healing God that he was back then. He has a tendency to lead us into situations where we see no way out, 
precisely so that he can provide bread from heaven for us. You need healing, physical healing. Perhaps doctors haven't been able to figure it out. Perhaps your research hasn't led to you to figure uh, uh, the accurate diagnosis. Perhaps all the vitamins you purchased from your friends at those Arbonne parties or whatever other parties you've gone to hasn't helped you. Perhaps Dr. Google hasn't been able to help you. Anybody run into the arms of Dr. Google when you can't figure things out health-wise? Like, well, maybe I have this. Throw in your symptoms. You have 10 different diseases. Maybe it's because God is saying, I want to do something miraculous in your life. Maybe financial provision is what you need. And, and you've got laid off during COVID and you've been putting out resumes and you can't, you, you just can't get a job and bills are piling up and the mortgage is late. You're like, God, what am I going to do? Oh, perfect opportunity for God to come through. Did you know that? Maybe it's a place to live. You can't, you're running out of time. You got to be out of your old place and you got to find a new place. And you, whether you want to buy, you rent, there's nothing. You're not even being picky anymore. You're just like anything. I'll take anything. I'll drive an hour. To work if I need to. But God has not yet provided it. The DeStefanos, Bob and Larry and DeStefano were in this position two months ago. They couldn't find a place. They were getting a little stressed out. They filled out a connect card asking for prayer. Within days of filling out a card, something showed up. They would call it miraculous, I think. Out of the blue. That's what God loves to do. Maybe a marriage breakthrough. Maybe there's been a crisis, a situation that you haven't been able to fix. You've gone to counseling. You've got coaching. You've read the communication books. You went on that marriage retreat. You got advice from different people. Nothing has fixed it. Perfect opportunity for God to be God. Moms, maybe there's a situation, a child, behavior issue. You haven't been able to figure out what to do about your child. You've tried tough love. You've tried soft love. You've tried rewarding them. You've tried punishing them. You've tried taking away devices. You've tried giving them extra devices. You've tried bribing them. You've tried threats. You've tried talking to the principal. You've tried talking to their teachers. You've tried interventions. You've tried all kinds of things, and you're like, I don't know what to do. Perfect opportunity for God to be God. Now, why does God lead us into these situations why does God love to set up these opportunities for us? Because we need a reminder that he is who he says he is. And we need a reminder of who we are in light of who he is. Look at what Moses says next. In verse 6, Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. What's he saying there? In the evening, when I provide this, this meat that you're going to get, you'll know that it was the Lord who led you out of Egypt. What is the connection there? Didn't they know that God led them out of Egypt? Well, yes, but no. Yes, they did in their heads, but maybe they're doubting. Maybe they're one. This is what we do. Well, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was a coincidence. Maybe that Red Sea thing was a weather pattern that came up. I read this thing on the History Channel. You know, we... Trying to figure things out because we're like, our old doubting, cynical spirit comes in. I don't know. I'm worried. I don't know if I can trust God for the future. And so maybe what happened in the past was a coincidence. Maybe I don't belong to him. 
maybe I trusted in him, but I didn't really. Maybe I don't belong to him. Maybe he's not even real. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And we start to doubt. We feed our doubts. So God's saying, I'm going oh, I'm I'm to meet your need tonight. And I'm going to remind you in the depths of your soul that it was indeed me who led you out of Egypt. Now, I'm the Lord. And I'm your God. I'm your caretaker. I'm your shepherd. I still got you. It wasn't a fluke. I'm still faithful. I'm still leading you. I'm still guiding you. I haven't let you go. My eyes are still on you. I got you. And in the morning, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. That word glory comes from the word kabod. It means weight. You're going to feel the weight of who I am when I provide for your needs daily. In the past, it was plagues and drowning the Egyptians where they saw the glory of the Lord. Now it's his loving provision of their daily needs. So God sets up these opportunities so that we would know it is the Lord who provides for us and that we would feel his glory. We wake up a little anxious. Oh no, what am I going to do? It's an opportunity to go, oh God, I'm needy. I'm dependent on you. God provides and we get to go, that's right. You're God. I'm not. I'm not supposed to have it all figured out. I'm not supposed to be self-sufficient. Did you know that you're not supposed to have it all figured out? Do you know that God wants you to be in a place on a regular basis where you can acknowledge, I don't have it all figured out. Moms, you know it's okay to not have it all figured out? You don't have to have an answer for every situation and problem your kids are facing. God wants you there so that you can go, that's right. More than I'm a mom, I'm a daughter. More than I'm a mom, I'm a daughter. Can you remember that, moms? More than I'm a mom, I'm a daughter. He's got me. I don't need to have all the answers. I'm not supposed to have it all figured out. You don't have what it takes. I know a Hallmark card might be given to you today that says you have what it takes, but you don't. Happy Mother's Day. You don't. Precisely because you're not God, He's God. He, you get to rest in Him. And he wants you to feel that. He wants us to feel that so that we go, oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. It's not on me to figure this out. I know people are coming to me with problems and my kids are asking for this. I don't know. I'm helpless without God meeting us with his bread from heaven today. All right, let's keep going. Verse 7. Uh, we're going to keep going in verse 7. In the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we, Moses says, that you should grumble against us? Then he continues, verse 8. Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us but against the Lord. Two times he says it there. You guys think... You're complaining against me and Aaron. You think it was our fault that we took you out of Egypt, your nice, safe, secure life as a slave. And you're complaining. But what you're really doing is complaining against the Lord. Did you see that? Our complaints, our grumbling, oftentimes we think it's about somebody else who did us wrong or misled us or got us into this cul-de-sac of life, this wilderness situation, this detour. Somebody else led us down the wrong track. We got fooled. We got taken advantage of. It's their fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my kids' fault. It's my spouse's fault. My boss's fault. My teacher's fault. My coach's fault. 
the government. It's the government. It's the election. It's this. It's that. It's the corruption. It's whatever. But really, when we're complaining and grumbling and we give in to that kind of spirit, you know who we're com complaining and grumbling against? The, the way I'm reading this scripture here, it's God. It's God who's sovereign over everything. There's a difference between pointing out this was wrong, but God's got it, and having a grumbling, complaining spirit. You know that? There's a difference. Yesterday we were driving in a car to Delaware. We were talking about this passage, actually, with our kids. And we were like, what have you guys complained about lately? And one of them said, you know, I think I complained when you asked us to pull weeds this morning. I was like, yeah, I think that counts. <laughs> Good example. It was honest. And I was like, so when you complained about me making you pull weeds, you were really complaining against who? God, who gave you me as a dad. I didn't, like, I didn't know who my kids were going to be, and you, you didn't have a choice. We didn't have a choice of matching each other, right? But God put us together for some reason. He's in charge of that. So when you complain against me, when you're, ah, I have to pull weeds, and my dad makes me pull weeds, you're really grumbling against God. And that's what we do. When we, when we complain, how could this happen? And if only, whatever it is, whether it's our family situation, the, the, the job we're at. I mean, listen, some of us, we go, to job, we go to our jobs and we complain every day. We complain about our bosses every day. If you, have a, if, you, if you can leave your job and get a new job, great, do it. Otherwise, stop complaining. It's God who's got you there. You're grumbling against God. Not your boss. You're grumbling. When you, when you walk out of your boss's office and you mumble underneath your breath, your, your breath to your coworkers, blah, 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 you're complaining against God. You think you're not when you do that about each other in, in our church. Oh, those, those anti-maskers or those people who are too cautious or those people who are against the vaccine, whatever it is, right? We have a lot of things to be divided about politically or whatever. When we're grumbling about those people over there, who are we really grumbling against? God. This service is going to be a lot longer than the first one. I don't know where I'm going. But every day, the point is, every day we're faced with some degree of need. And it's an opportunity. Sometimes it's a barrage of needs. Bang, 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 bang. And we're like, oh, what are we going to do? And, and instead of grumbling and complaining, it's an opportunity for God to remind us, hey, will you trust me? Will you trust me today? I'm strengthening you. I'm training you. I'm developing you to respond trust and thanksgiving and rest. Let's keep going. We're going to jump down to verse 13 now. We'll cover the in-between verses in the reading plan this week on our website, but we're going to jump down to verse 13. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. Now, quail was a kind of bird. It was typical in that region. Um, it was a delicacy of the Egyptians, so this was not out of the ordinary bounds of science. This was kind of a normal thing. However, for quail to be provided for year-round, and then the quantity it was for to feed all the Israelites, a few million at this point, was quite miraculous. However, the food source itself was not out of the ordinary. It was ordinary. Um, and then in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. In other words, that bread-like substance, it was manna. Manna means what is it? Like that's what kind of means, that's why they named it manna. Like, what is it? What the heck is it? That's the title on it, right? Imagine a piece of loaf of bread called what the heck is this? That's kind of what they were doing. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what God's providing for you. So this was not 
a natural food source. This was supernatural. This is something they've never seen before, never heard of before, right? So there's uh, quail, normal, ordinary, and yet God was providing it. It was, still, it was still from God. When we go to the supermarket and buy food, and we think it's normal, it is. However, it's still God providing you the means to get that food and purchase it and etc. We should still give thanks. This is from God. Other times, he provides for us supernaturally, miraculously, outside the bounds of science, and we should be expectant for those moments as well. The ordinary, the supernatural. Both are from God. It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. It would be like a cake-like, sweet-like, uh, uh, bread-like substance. Later, it's called like coriander seed, so small. Um, but it's just this stuff that they never seen before. And they would kind of sweep it off the thing, and they could make bread and cakes out of it, and we sweet. So this is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. So an omer is an unspecified amount. It, 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 it has, from what I was reading this, this past week, it could have referred to a jar, a pint size. It could have referred to a gallon at other times in history. It was almost, the way I'm understanding it, almost like a figure of speech. Like we would say dollop. Get a dollop. Give me a dollop of the mashed potatoes. It's like, what's a dollop? Whatever that is. You know, you just a spoonful. Is that enough? It could be three spoonfuls. A dollop is a dollop, right? It's relative. Same with a, point is, it was enough for them. It was whatever they needed. It was enough. It provided what they needed, as much as they need, and it was for each person in the tent. Verse 17, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. So God made sure it was enough for them to enjoy the day. I think that's important. What they needed for the day they had. God provides what we need each day to enjoy the day, to rest in Him, to enjoy Him. Did you know that? God is committed to your joy, your peace, your fulfillment more than you are. You chase after happiness... God is more committed to your joy, your, your fulfillment, and peace more than you are. Moms, did you know that? God wants you to enjoy life probably more than you are right now. That's why we're set free from slavery. That's why Jesus saves us. That's why he comes after us. Not just so our sins can be forgiven and one day we go to heaven and in the meantime we're on our own, but so that we can enjoy him. Feed on him. Depend on him and, and, and be met by him every day. Enjoy him. He wants us to treasure him. He wants us to be a people who ooze out joy in ways that the rest of the world can't. Because we have him. Here's the thing though. Many of us want more security, more answers, more clarity, more planning and more accomplishments then God is providing for today and we think I can't rest and I can't be at peace until I get all these things. And it's robbing us of joy and peace. It is exactly what is robbing us of the joy and peace that he wants us to have. I'm giving you what you need for today. And we're like, no, I need more planning. I, I know I, you're giving me one next step. I need 10 next steps. I know you're allowing me to accomplish this today. I want to accomplish twice as much because I got so much to do around the house or whatever. You know, our to-do list goes so long. And I, won't, I can't rest until it's done. 
I won't feel at peace until I know my child is not just good for this week, but for the next 10 years. I want to know that they're going to be okay for the next 20 years. I want to know that not just their behavior is better today, but that it will be fixed forever. I want to guarantee that this will never happen again. And God doesn't give us that. He gives us what we need today. And when we get discontent with that, when we start striving and pushing and pressuring and getting anxious, I need more, I need more, I need more security, I need to make more money, I need to put more in a savings account, I need more answers. If I can only persuade my child of this, or I persuade my spouse of this, then the next 10 years will be smooth. <laughs> Which is how sometimes we act, right? I don't want my child to end up like me one day, so if I can just knock all this stuff out now, God's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Just for today is what I'm giving you. Enjoy today. This is why Moses says, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Verse 19. He doesn't, he doesn't give you enough for the next day. Don't try to, don't try to store up more than I'm providing for. Don't, don't, don't take on Wednesday what you need for Wednesday and then try to add for Thursday. and Store some of it in the, you know, in the corner of your tent. Don't do that. Why? Look at verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. Oof. Imagine waking up the next morning in your tent. There's like maggots all over the floor. You, you go to eat like what you had in the corner. You're like, that's, that's, that's worse than not having it all, right? So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. It was just enough for today. It was only supposed to be enough for today. Why? So that you can wake up the next morning with a training moment. Am I going to get anxious? Am I going to have that hurry up and get things done, figure things out, plan, 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 self-sufficiency spirit? Or am I going to trust and rest and go out and get the next today's manna? Some of them couldn't trust and it made things worse. It spoiled maggots. And that's what we do. When we try to get more than we need today, it makes things worse. So often, I've been there so many times. So many times where I am maybe feeling overwhelmed in a day, and I think, okay, I want to bust out super fast. All these things I got to get done. I'm working late, responding to emails and texts really quickly. I don't want to let it pile up for tomorrow. So let me get a head start on tomorrow. Like knocking some of this out, and I respond to things faster than I should, perhaps in a hurried, edgy, cold and clinical kind of tone, instead of showing empathy, instead of slowing down and praying for some compassion. And oftentimes what it does is adds more to my plate the next day when I got to call and apologize and smooth things over. And so instead of trying to save time for the next day, it adds time to the next day. Why? Because I was going beyond what God was providing mercy for and grace for. God was saying, whoa, whoa, this is the grace. Cut it off. This is it. Whatever you didn't get done can wait. And I'm like, no, I got to get a head start. And it makes things sour and maggoty. That's what we do. We want to resolve to a situation. We want a conversation to happen. And God's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just, just, just let it rest for now. Let it rest for now. Let it rest for now. No. I need to resolve now. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about this. What does that usually do? For those of you who push those conversations. 
adds another 10 hours to your week of having to have more conversations about it, doesn't it? Who's laughing back there? Frank's laughing. <laughs> this is a call-out service. Call each other out. Don't worry about it. And some of us, were, God's saying, I'm providing mercy to engage in that conversation, and we're stepping back. We're trying to escape. No, 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 no. And God's like, no, go out and gather the manna I'm giving you to gather for today. No, I'm scared to leave my tent. And God's like, no, no, go out. I'm providing for you. This will go smoothly. Step into this. Don't be afraid. Have this conversation. It's okay. All right, let's finish this up. I'm going to call a band up. I'm going to call a band up here. I'm going to do this thing a little different to the first service. Come on up here, you guys. So, like I started with, there's a difference between knowing that we can trust God and actually trusting in God and God alone, right? It's a difference, big difference. God's training us. He's teaching us. He's leading us. He wants us to trust in Him and Him alone. And I think especially that word is for moms today. I'm not just saying that because it's Mother's Day. I do really feel... That's a word for you. He wants you to trust him. Before you're a mom, you're his daughter. And there are situations represented in our church that I have been praying for on a regular basis. I want to read off a few from my journal that I pray for on a regular basis. It's not an exhaustive list. It doesn't represent everybody in our church who I'm praying for. So if you're like, wait, does he not pray for me? No, that's not true. So I'm just going to read this off, but then, then, then I'm going to ask you to start thinking about how you need to be met by God today. What, what is the manna that you need today? Well, maybe there's a, a need that constantly comes up every day. Like for me, it's, it's, I, I've battled some chronic ailments, physical ailments. Now, I've battled chronic stuff that has been miraculously healed, never came back. A few years ago, I had a respiratory thing that I, I was plagued with for 20 years that God just healed. Don't deal with it anymore. Ironically, around the same time, I got hit with a stomach thing that started a chronic new thing. It was like I got healed of one thing, and then I started to deal with a new chronic thing. It was strange. Sometimes God heals me in a day, and it's enough for the day, and then those symptoms come back a day later, a couple days later, and I'm tempted to go, well, maybe God didn't heal me. That's not the case. God did provide the healing I needed that day, and now I need a new healing. And some of us, we've been in situations and, 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 and we're like, when is this going to end? And God keeps providing for us, but we, we're, we're tired of having this need. I don't want to keep coming to God. And God's like, no, 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 no. Don't grow, don't grow tired of having this need because I'm not growing tired of providing for you. The healing, the provision, the clarity, the wisdom, the next step. I'm not growing tired of providing for you. So don't grow tired of being needy and coming to me each day. Let me just read off some of these. One person is praying that their father comes to know Jesus. One couple is praying that their son is set free from alcoholism and comes back to Jesus. There are five couples who are in some kind of crisis in our church and are looking for breakthrough. There is a family with grown adult children whose their siblings are not talking to each other. The family is in disarray. There's three couples who've been trying to get pregnant. 
one dear friend who is waiting to hear back on a job and they are not hearing back. They don't know why they aren't hearing back and they need to make a decision ASAP. Somebody else, another dear friend looking for a place to stay and has a short time to find it. Just a few examples of, of situations, people in need and there are no solutions on the horizon and they are realizing their control over that is very little. And my prayer is that God would provide the manna they need for today. God, meet them today. And if it's not the check in the mail, if it's not the place to stay at, if it's not the positive result on the pregnancy test, at least give them a peace today. At least give them a comfort today. At least meet them today with hope that you are at work even when they don't see it. If it's a mom who's burdened for her child, God, give her the hope that she needs to know that you're at work in her son's life, in her daughter's life, even if she can't see it today. Because all of our needs and all the ways that God meets those needs is a foreshadow. The manna from heaven from Israel was a foreshadow a hint of the ultimate manna that we get for our ultimate need in Jesus Christ, the true bread from heaven. And that's not me making a connection. That's Jesus who made this connection. He later, much later, when he came down, God the Son became one of us, took on flesh. At one point, he fed the multitudes with fishes and loaves. By the way, his only miracle that shows up in all four Gospels. Fishes and loaves for multitudes. And then the crowds said to him, look what they said to him. They asked him, John, this is John 6, starting in verse 30. What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? He just fed multitudes with fishes and loaves. We want more. What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're referencing the passage, the situation in Exodus that we just talked about. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Oh, gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. They still don't get it. Yeah, we want this bread, this regular manna from heaven. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never hungry, never thirsty as we come to him. It's not a one-time thing. It's ongoing, coming to Him for nourishment, to feed on Jesus, to get what we need from Him daily, hourly. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. Give me peace right now. Give me comfort in this moment. I'm in over my head. I don't know what to do. So anytime He provides for us, every time we eat food, it should be a reminder that, no, Jesus is my true bread from heaven. And the, the, just like this steak or sushi or whatever you like to eat is meeting your physical need. Whatever your soul needs, Jesus meets. 
come to him, though. You got to come to him. You got to take the time to come to him. Just like the Israelites had to go out from the tent and gather the man. We've got to take the time to go to him, to go to him in prayer and say, Jesus, meet my need. I need you. Speak to me. Touch me here. My soul, remind me of who you are. And some of us, maybe we never came to Jesus. We never decided to trust in him as our true bread from heaven. We've got this belief in our head about him. We know some stories. We have some Sunday school answers, maybe. But we never came to him and said, Jesus, you're my true bread. I need you. You died for me. Maybe today's the day. I believe if that's the case, today's the day where he wants you to bow your knee to him. And so we're going to sing in a moment. But first... And while we're singing, I'm going to pray for some folks. But first, we're going to show a video of my mom. It's a three-minute video that was not planned for Mother's Day. She was asked, she's doing the Empower course that Pastor Rigo talked about earlier. There's a graduation this coming Saturday. Um, Joni Berry's graduating. Uh, Alan McCarthy, Caroline McCarthy's graduating. And she was asked to do a little testimony for it. And when I saw it or read it, I was like, wow, that would actually tie in well with this sermon because at the end of the video, it's three minutes long, but at the end of it, she mentions how she was wanting God to do something, to fix something in her life. And she didn't realize there was a deeper need that God wanted to meet. A deeper burden that Jesus, the true bread, wanted to lift. So take a look at this video and then we'll... We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you, where do you have a need? And I'm going to pray for you, okay? Good morning. My name is Pam Francis, and I'm from True Life Church in Brick, New Jersey. And when it comes to sharing my Empower experience, it's hard to know where to begin because there was just so much. When I first heard about Empower, I just thought, it's not for me. Um, Too much work, too much of a commitment. And besides, what would have benefited somebody at this stage of my life? But then the pandemic hit, and um, I just found myself one morning sitting in my sunroom, and I just felt compelled to listen to the video testimonies of the girls who had taken Empower last year. So as I listened, to my surprise, I just knew it was something I had to do. I just felt God nudging me, and. I knew I wanted to serve him in a new way. Um, I had a little more time and flexibility on my hands because I had retired recently, but I didn't know what that would look like. So I jumped in, I made the decision, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions I ever made. For me, it was truly life-changing. I learned so much about God, about his word, about the Holy Spirit, and about the power of prayer. And the mentor groups were just so awesome. My, my two mentors were so good about encouraging and checking in on us, praying for us, and that just meant so much to me personally. The girls in my mentor group were also a blessing. They were just so honest and humble. The, the personal reflection classes really taught me so much about myself and the way I react to things. And it just brought a lot of healing to my soul and to other areas of my life including my relationship with my husband. When I first started Empower last September, I was harboring a lot of anger and bitterness and and unforgiveness towards him. And I was praying desperately that God would let him see his need for his heart to be changed. But instead, God ended up transforming my heart. 
So I see my husband now with, with new eyes and I have a love for him that I never had before. So if any of you ladies are even thinking about taking power next year, I would just encourage you to, to pray, pray earnestly for God's guidance and direction. He won't steer you wrong. And I'd like to end with Psalm 22:22. I will praise you to my brothers and sisters. I will stand before the congregation and testify of the wonderful things you have done. Thank you. Can we stand? As we prepare to sing and praise God and celebrate the wonderful things He has done. We're not going to have a prayer team down front. I'm not going to ask you to share what your needs are, but if you have a need, if you have the ability, and I think anytime we just pause and allow God to speak to us and say, God, I've got this anxiety, frustration, anger, I'm ticked off, I'm sad. It's connected to a need we have that's not being met. If we can just slow down and ask God to show us, and then we can identify it. So if you can identify, yeah, I got a need or two, maybe 10. Would you put your hand up? Just keep your hands up for a moment, just for a moment. Just keep it up for a moment. Uh, raising your hand is just a humble way of saying, I'm needy, right? I, I know some people just like to do this like, you know, I'll raise my hand like up to my waist because I don't really want people to know that I have a need. And like, I'm kind of good, but kind of, no, like, yeah, I'm needy. Dang it, I'm needy. I'm needy. I have a need. I need God to meet me here. I, I, I need God to meet me in a job. I need healing. I, 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 need, I want new eyes for my spouse. That lady in that video, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to forgive, and I don't have the power to do it. God, give me the power to do that. Give me the power to love. Give me that new eyes that she talked about. Maybe that's what you're feeling. I want to forgive my sister. I want to forgive my parents. I want, to, I, I want a new relationship with my child. I don't know how, but I need it. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Okay. One more thing. As you keep your hands up, just keep your hands up. We're going to sing. In the last service, I, I prayed for the people with their hands up. In this service, we're going to do it differently. As we sing, those of you who are around these people who have their hands up, if you feel led, and if those of you who have your hands up are comfortable with it, you can keep your hands up. And somebody might just come, put a hand on your shoulder, and pray quietly for you. They're not going to ask you, what is it that you need? We're not going to do that today. You don't have to share. It might be 10 things anyway. We don't have time for that. But put your hand on their shoulder and just pray for them. God might give you a prophetic word to pray for them. And you have no idea where it comes from. Maybe it's silent. Maybe it's a little out loud. But if you're comfortable with it, keep your hand up. And if, if, and if you feel led to go and put your hand anytime while we sing and worship, I want to encourage you to do that. Okay, be respectful of their space, but put their hand on their shoulder and just pray. See what God leads you to do. So those of you who's, who have that need and are comfortable with that, I'm just going to encourage you to keep your hand up until somebody prays for you during this time, okay? As the band leads us.